Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Yeah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to he was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing about him. <laughs> <laughs> So last Thursday we were all excited lads about the games on television the Kerry semi-final the Mayo final we had Connor on talking up Bell Mullet you know um, looking forward to seeing that one even though we, we, we were given the heads up it wasn't going to be a classic and then obviously Kilmacook Crokes versus St. Jude's was interesting for all sorts of reasons it's fair to say it was a damn squib uh, Lee Jesus uh, Christ we got very unlucky the the Austin Stacks kind of ended up a little bit exciting. Austin Stacks and uh, Chemical Crokes games ended up exciting, but they were very hard watches up until that point. Um, and the Mayo match was just a complete another god. It was one of the worst games I've ever watched. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a damn squid uh, the whole weekend as a whole in terms of what we were watching. I was trying to think if there's like a, a common theme why. Uh, they're all like this, you know, for just this one weekend, nearly every game you watch was really low scoring, sort of tactically defensive and um, overall just pretty slow. And I'm wondering if it's to do with the weather. Is it just the type, that time of the season where fatigue is starting to set in? I'm not too sure, but I watched the the Mayo game. I had it on TG Gahar and the TV in front of me. And then I had the, the laptop playing the Glenn and St. Union's game. And it wasn't a spectacle either. Like it finished 8-1-4, to one four, so hardly a thrilling match. But um for both games, you know, every time I looked my head back and forth, there just seemed to be someone was on the floor. The referee was given a card and it was just all very stop go. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Look, there's a lot of reasons for this. Obviously, a lot of teams are dropping men behind the ball. We're in November. The ground isn't very hard. You know, fast players can't break lines. They can't get away from their man as easily. And then you throw in on top of that the kind of low risk. Let's keep the ball. Let's not take chances. Let's not kick it all that much. All this kind of thing adds up. Then you have lower skilled players, uh, Niall, at club level, obviously, compared to county level. And all this kind of adds up to a, a pretty difficult watch, a lot of these matches. 
Yeah, I think TG Cahar learned an important lesson, Wally, that they should stick to the hurling in future. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was the, the three games, it was, they were sort of tough to watch, weren't they? Like, yeah. it was just all kind of hand passing around. And I suppose when it is, it is winter football and the ground is heavy and, you know, maybe it suits the, the sort of bigger players more. But um, it seems to be the same team throughout the games that very few... F- few teams could could find the gap to, to break through yeah. and like you're kind of waiting for that maybe the breakaway w- move but there there doesn't seem to be too many of them when when it's so so defensive like yeah that kind of uh, counter-attack football is gone that's kind of uh, it doesn't really work anymore so you just kind of have stalemate football I would kind of uh, call it and you know when there's very little kicking both teams are, are are facing a stalemate on both sides of the field. So it's not great to watch. But look, we got some exciting ends. We'll get on to the Austin Stacks uh, finish. Jesus, what penalty takers they have in Austin Stacks. I think Eamon Fitzmaurice called them townies. The townies can take, <laughs> pen- take penalties because they probably play a bit of soccer. Villages have soccer teams too. But anyways, that's the kind of perception out there. Kilmacroaks did the double. So they deserve a lot of credit for that. And like, I mean, this was obviously coming on the back of an absolutely deplorable Mayo final and uh, hard enough watch the night before. 22 minutes before we saw a score in this game, Lee. Like, I mean, it was like, can we take any more of this? It felt like homework. It felt like this is like, you know, sitting down, you love this job and then it feels like work. 22 minutes and it was a goal. In fairness, Alan Connolly scored a, a, an absolute brilliant goal. Incredibly, Kilmacook Croke <sighs> scored one point in the first half. They had four shots at goal. This is Kilmacud Croaks. Like, I mean, it was absolutely bizarre. Their, their manager, Robbie Brennan, in fairness, St. Jude's did go very, very defensive. And you can kind of understand it from an, un, from an underdog's uh, point of view. You can probably understand the Bell Mullet uh, tactics as well from an underdog point of view. Robbie Brennan said they were probably more defensive than we thought that they'd be. And that probably caught us. It worked up until the last couple of minutes. So maybe Kilmacud Croaks were taken by surprise. Jude's have been racking up bigger scores Coming into this final, we wouldn't have seen them playing. I'm trying to make excuses for why Kilmacroaks were so terrible in that first half. Yeah, it was a really slow start. And uh, like you say, it took 20 minutes before there was any score. And I'm just glad that it was a really good score in the end. Uh, Kevin McMenamin uh, broke through, uh, dropped the shoulder and laid it off to Alan Connolly, who buried it brilliantly. And it sort of wakened everybody up a little bit, thank God. But um, for Kilmacroke's point of view for the for the first half, I don't know if it's that big a surprise that St. Jude's were so defensive. I mean, you just said it yourself. They're, they're the underdogs going into the final. They were very defensive in the 2018 final, uh, much to their own detriment. That's what they were talking about in the lead-up to this, that they need to go forward more and, and try to rack up big scores. So I'm not too sure if, if it is much of an excuse, to be honest. Um Look, they came to the front in the end. You know, big players stepped up in the last 10 minutes for Crokes and they finally broke through. But uh, I I can't think of any real reason. Like, I, I wouldn't say that there was a huge shock that they were defensive. Yeah, but, but, but Robbie Brennan saying it was they were more defensive than they expected. So, like, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of only going um, by, by what he's saying. Only for Keen O'Connor's goal, they were in big trouble. Like, there's no doubt about this. They were five points down with 18 minutes to go. They didn't. Kilmacook Crooks. I'm not saying they were terrible in the first half and much better in the second half. They weren't. I think Jude's dropped back an awful lot and got nervous, and you know they'd never won it before, and all these things conspire. Keen O'Connor for a game that was very low on risk taking. Like there wasn't even a goal on when this man got that. He conjured a goal almost out of nothing, uh, Niall. Like I mean, he deserves all the credit here. There wasn't a goal. There was barely a goal on when he shot. Yeah, like in fairness, like that was that was the win in the game right yeah. there. Like that was the only difference between the sides. Like because the whole game, 
there was lads getting the ball in the position that Keane O'Connor was and they were kind of pawning it, 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 was off. Pawning it off and was going to the next lad but he kind of took the risk and there was lads sticking to their own men and he got the gap and then he got down to kind of one-on-one with his man and he buried it. It was right into the corner of the net. Like, it was a brilliant finish from him, in fairness. And, uh, like, it was a, it was a low-scoring game, but that was definitely a, a score that deserved to win the game. Like, because, like, you could see, in fairness, like, St. Jude's were probably happy for 50 minutes. You could see why they, they played as they did, because it looked yeah. like they were going to win the game. But it took that moment of genius from Keane O'Connor and fair play to him because he won it for them. Yeah. In fairness, Kilmacook Croaks didn't play well in either final, were, you know, Jeez. second best and have won the double now. So, like, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit. It's kind of almost like they're such a big club. That's like the small village club mentality, you know, the Lockmore Castellani type mentality. And they deserve a lot of a lot of credit for that. In a weird way, the Keane O'Connor goal. And I'd nearly compared to the Ivan Parker goal for Austin Stacks the other night, which was an absolute screamer. Both of them were scored with a man standing right in front of them, right? So it's almost like they used the man, almost like darts where you, you're, you're going for a double, Lee, and you put one just outside the bed and then the next one, that'll guide the next one in. If you just stick it on the outside of this player's leg, the goalie won't see it and there's a good chat. You know, there, there's only one place it can go. Do you, do you, know, what, do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes yeah. you can use a player as a guide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really opportunistic, opportunistic sort of goal, though. I mean, like you got to get it absolutely right if that's what you're attempting to do. And then the the Keanu, uh, O'Connor one way it's so interesting too is that like he gets the ball from a standing position. And this last couple of weeks, we were talking about how you need to be running off the shoulder to break these defenses down and high lines and all of that. But he he it was a free kick. He takes it. He gets it back. He's from a standing position, and then he just takes off. Benz is running around, cuts inside. And sometimes when you do that and you, and you try to be brave, space does just open up in front of you and all of a sudden um, no one sees where it came from. But as you mentioned, it, it never actually seemed like that happened for him. You know, even when he took the goal, it didn't really seem like a huge goal chance. But the person in front of him maybe did help out. It half obstructed the goalkeeper's view as well. And when you have a, a small target to hit, then it's harder to save it too. And he hit it perfectly and it found its way into the bottom of the net. Yeah, we saw a referee changes in his mind yesterday as well. He deserves an awful lot of credit for mm-hmm. this. All through my football career, probably because I, you know, at times I could get obsessed about what referees, a bad decision against you. And, you know, it was something that I made that mistake right throughout my career. Even at the end, I'd get fixated on a referee and I'd question everything then. And it's like you'd be losing, losing your mind and always all up along underage to management in Port Leash would always say, did you ever see a referee changing his mind? And the answer would be no. Leave him alone. He won't. Ju-. But he changed his mind and the umpires deserve all the credit here now because it's clearly outside the box. This is the penalty for Kilmacud Croaks. Clearly outside the box. Referee gave it. And you could see on the camera, the umpire was very, one of them in particular was very forceful. You knew by the way he was saying it, referee comes out, no penalty. Very impressive umpiring. We give umpires a lot of stick mm-hmm. when they kind of just stand there with their hands behind their backs and don't get involved. But this lad put his foot down and made the right call, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the time you would hear that about umpires, that they just they stand there and they might have the best view of a decision, but they don't make their voice heard. Like, But they got on to the ref in fairness and told him straight away, like I thought the ref was very good throughout the game in fairness to him and like even when he was given that free He actually had a better view than the umpires of He that. did and he was right there and he pointed he was so confident like <laughs> and but in fairness to him like he did go straight into the boys the boys probably called him in but it was it was the right decision in the end and an important decision in the game too but um, I actually thought he was very good throughout the game. He just seemed very kind of sharp and knew what he was doing. Yeah, right. no, he wasn't too bad. One other thing before we move off this game is Robbie Brennan um, was asked about Paul Mannion after the game, Lee. And he says, my own opinion, 
he says no. He's asked, would he be back? My own opinion, no. Um, I think that's it. I think that's the last you'll see of Paul for Dublin. Um, I'd say he'll answer that question, but I would think that's it. What he's done in the game is absolutely phenomenal for Dublin and now for Kilmacud, etc. And like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Is he overstepping the mark by making that announcement for Paul Mannion? Because he's saying, in my opinion... But come on, don't tell me that Robbie Brennan hasn't talked to Paul about this. Like, I mean, he's his manager. You know, like, I mean, that's an informed opinion. He like unless Paul said, look, I don't want to talk about it. If you know, if the if you're asked, tell them I'm not going back. He wanted him to do it. For me, he's overstepping the mark unless Paul had told him. Like, I, we're all on for honesty from managers. But like, I mean, you have just announced yeah. Paul Mannion is finished with Dublin here. Yeah, I mean, he effectively just retired him from the county game there, you know, <laughs> before Paul Mannion even had a chance to. And like, and Paul Mannion did an interview at the end, and you know, at the end, and there was no mention of it, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. So it is a strange one. I was very surprised when he came out and said, I don't think he will go back ever again. You know, I think that's the last you've seen of him in a, in a Dublin jersey. Quite an outrageous statement to make. And he obviously knows more than we do. But yeah, like you said, like the fact that he's actually taken this opportunity to to uh, make it public and maybe he's trying to I don't know persuade Paul Mannion to stick to his word and and uh, you maybe told him on the slayer just at the start of the season that he doesn't think he will go back to Dublin and hopefully this will put a little bit more pressure on him um, to keep him staying but from Paul Mannion's point of view at the start of the season when we're looking at he's not going to play county he's just going to focus on club you're probably thinking oh well he's probably going to lose a medal here you know because Dublin are definitely going to win the All-Ireland will kill McCook Crooks win the Dublin Championship, you know, it's not as it's not definitely not a sure thing. Um, but you know, he came out the winner in the end, really. You know, Dublin didn't have well, they did a disastrous st- season by their own standards, and he's now the uh, Dublin County champion. Yeah, no, exactly. How did he get man of the match? Jesus, like when in doubt, maybe, maybe, um, like when in doubt, there was no outstanding Kilmacud kind of you know player that was out- outstanding man of the match. But like, I mean, Paul Banyan didn't play well at all yesterday, you would say. Like, I mean, he barely got a kick of it. I suppose when there's so, so few scores in a game and yeah, it's but just when in doubt, to, go for the county star, right? Yeah, like, I, mean, I presume that's the way it works. He did score two or three points as well, didn't he? Like two he, he, he yeah. kind of he was tipping away. Yeah, like he, it definitely wasn't his best game. Like he missed a few balls early on that he'd he'd usually be picking up yeah. like no bother at all to him. But uh, yeah, it is. It's kind of if in doubt, give it to the star man. That's how it works. So Lockmore Castellani are halfway to the double. Like I mean. They needed a last minute goal. Like, I mean, this club, like, I mean, there's no, you just can't uh, say enough good things about them. So, like, I mean, we saw the John McGrath goal. All the McGrath set this up. So, like, I mean, they're, they're two points down. They're one point down. Um, and they have a free. It's not 45 metres out, but 40. Right in the middle of the goals. You'd fancy a club free taker to kick this. Mm. All right. And that would, that would have drawn it up, Niall. So he drops it short into the goalkeeper's hands and like I mean you know disappointment there immediately not for Lockmore Castellani the way Clonmel Commercials had the ball then goalkeeper played it out they hunted Clonmel Commercials down <coughs> in packs in twos and threes and hounded him into losing the ball and I think did Brian McGrath give it to <coughs> you can take it from there it was yeah Brian McGrath they won it around the top of the D yeah Brian McGrath was the man who he got a great tackle in and I'm not sure which Clonmel defender it was but he got the tackle in and he was bottled up straight away like as often you are when you dispossess someone. But he threw a little dummy. He kind of, he kept it, bided his time like with the composure that all the McGraths have. And he it was Brian McGrath into Kieran McGrath who'd be his cousin into another cousin, Liam, 
who then gave the pass to John and John did the rest like it was very it, it was fairy tale like it was some finish by John as well you'd have to say because he just took it and barely even caught it and had it gone straight away then of course he could have hand passed it over the bar there for the draw he could have yeah but in the form he's in he'd He'd be going for the juggler anyway, but no, I was listening to it on Tip FM. I just turned it on with like 15 minutes to go and you hear that Lockmore are three points down and you're like, right, they're in business here now, like, because that's what they've been doing all year. They just come from behind yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter how, how far they're down. They just, when it comes towards the finish, they get it back to a point and they get it closer again. But the man who got it back to a point was Lee McGrath. And Lee McGrath, like he was obviously a brilliant footballer, captain tips for the All-Ireland minor title in 2011. But like he was missing last year because he was in Australia. He scored the equalising point in the hurling last week for them. He scored the point that, you know, because when you're two points down, only two minutes to go, like you're, you're not in a great spot. But when yeah. it gets to one point, you're really in the game. And he got a very good point there yesterday to bring him back. Like so... Like it, it's brilliant from him, and it shows the, he's been, he's he probably is the difference in Lockmore this year. I mean, like yeah, I never thought of that. He you lose a player in Lockmore, you lose it off both. Te- you lose a good player off both teams, exactly. which, is, which is obviously. But like they were one two to no score down after five minutes. They're always coming from behind. They're always like never say never say die. I thought it was very interesting. Lee, their manager Frankie McGrath said after game he was asked like when he, you know they obviously have to replay against Turles next weekend um, it's next weekend isn't it they didn't yeah. get that extra week after they, they, no. they weren't allowed that so it's next weekend and he was asked when are you, when are you going to start turning your attention onto Turles and he said we turn we started turning our attention onto Turles in the warm down there <laughs> so like I mean in the warm down from winning the county football final He's talking to them about the county hurling final the following week. Like, what a what a time to be alive in Lockmore Castellani. No, it's absolute fairy tale stuff. I mean, like it's just typifying everything that you would like a real picturesque view of the GAA in terms of dual clubs and going out and winning both codes. And you just bag a county final, no problem. End of the warm end of the warm down, and you're talking about winning another one. Like, I mean, I don't even know how that speech would even go. It's just like, right, lads, calm down. You know, or would you take it probably probably a more positive outlook being like, see this feeling, let's let this feeling continue and we're going to take it in the next week and we're going to create history and um, we're going to, we'll go down in history in both codes as as this legendary club with all these great players. Um, it's, it's just fantastic to see and, and I, I kind of, who obviously has no uh, affiliation with either club but I, I, I certainly hope that they'll do it He was probably trying to get them to actually stretch after the game because do you ever, you know, do you ever, it was any more pointless exercise than trying to get lads to stretch after a match Have you ever actually stretched or do you just go into the stretching position and chat? Yeah, you kneel down there. You kneel down and you, yeah, yeah. You kneel down. Half reach for your hamstring, but you're only (laughs) going for your knee, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe, maybe Frankie was trying to inspire them to actually stretch for injury prevention because there, there was two of them injured yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah, like which made the achievement all the more remarkable for them yesterday, like because John McGrath or John Maher would probably be like their main man as, as a footballer like he was one, a of, problem, one of Tip's right? best footballers in the last few years he eventually committed to the hurlers but he was out before the game with a hamstring problem and like a huge, he'd be a huge loss Brian McGrath as well sure he'd ha- he's had the broken thumb he played last weekend he only came on in the football on Sunday like, but he came on to make the difference and uh, he was interviewed after the game and I just thought it was a brilliant interview uh, you could hear the kind of emotion in his voice and he was like, like when you know the person beside you is empty in the tank 
and when you're doing the exact same thing he just says it's an unbelievable feeling and that seems to be what they're doing in, in Lockmore they're just emptying themselves every single week like and every one of them is doing it and that's why they are where they are like yeah it's an interesting one whether they would have gone on the beer last night we know that they're obviously that was their 16th weekend and next weekend is their 70th weekend so they are running on empty and I'm always for going out after a match because I think you know the closure on the game I think the camaraderie and the team spirit they don't need any camaraderie and team spirit like there probably isn't a closer knit group of players like and you know they go out last night today might be a bit of a write off you know the the legs will be sore to be even sore when you're dehydrated from I'm not promoting not going out for a point after a county final I just I, I don't know if I heard Frankie told him not to you know, to have two or three pints and go home, I pro- I wouldn't be too critical of that, Lee. Yeah, no, it's it's probably one of the very, very rare situations where <laughs> you wouldn't encourage the lads to go for a pint after a game, like or after winning uh, your championship. Got to be hard to imagine that they didn't go for at least two or three, but if they're anything like me, you know, they'll have two, three, turns to four or five, and then you're, you're not getting you out of there anyway. But you can see... Like the promise, I suppose, is is sort of like a cart and stick sort of situation. You go think of the rip we're going to go on if we win this double, you know, and you sort of uh, put it to them like that. That could be the only way of maybe convincing them. Um, just on the Clonmel side of things as well, I was just reading something. Um, apparently, they're checking off a little bit. They uh, they conceded twenty seven frees while Lockmore only conceded eleven. And I was just wondering, like, I've obviously not seeing the game, and I know I don't know. Now I listen to it on the radio, but like that's a lot of frees to be. Uh, conceding 27 and so much more than your opposition you can sort of see why they're annoyed about it yeah maybe that's the case maybe it's just a romance of Lockmore the referees are being a little bit biased we didn't see the match so we're not going to comment we don't want to take away from the Lockmore uh, win either another thing whether they go on the beard like imagine if they lose the Thurlis and then they're drowning in the Sours and they never get a chance to actually you know that, that mm. I don't know I don't know I think I don't know. I'd say Should they have gone out or not? I'd say they surely went for a few, maybe a few quiet ones, Wooly, but I doubt there was anyone dancing on tables like Ken Hogan was in Ireland. <laughs> in Cork, Middleton won. Um, Glen Rovers had got it back to a draw. Middleton flew out into the into the lead here, um, Niall. Um, Ger Fitzgerald said afterwards, their manager, overall we showed fierce fighting spirit, fierce drive, fierce determination, and we held out coming down the stretch, which is a sign of our resilience. We wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been associated with us. Like, would Middleton seem as a, a bit of a soft touch um, without that, you know, resilience and all those things he's talking about? And is this win, you know, maybe... I, I'm almost thinking there might be criticism of Conor Lehan. He was brilliant, mm. scored 13 points. He's turned that corner. Middleton have turned that corner. And maybe that's a criticism of Cork as well. Can they turn that corner too? Yeah, like I wouldn't have known that they were, like I'd have never associated that with them. Um, I know they won the county championship in 2013. They were get there again in 2018 and they lost to Imo Killy. Like Imo Killy are obviously like, you know, they're the kind of divisional side. It'd be tough to beat them. But um, no, it was, a, it was a great win for, for Middleton yesterday because I'd say Glen, Glen, Glen Rovers were probably favourites going into it. You know, like all the finals that they've been in. This was their third final in a row. A five losses and two wins out of since 2010 in 11 years yeah like and to to lose three in a row like is definitely um it's very disappointing for a club for a club like them like you know such powerhouses but Middleton and sure Connor Lehan he was just on fire like he scored I think it was five points from play in the end like and when he's on form as we said on Thursday like he's a world beater and it's impossible to stop him like well Ben O'Connor's obviously in coaching them like I said Jerfus Gerald is the manager Ben O'Connor 
um, is in coaching him and Ben didn't mince his words afterwards anyway so Conor Lehan was dropped like there's no question that he was dropped from Cork last, last year and I wouldn't be overly critical of it like I mean he'd been he'd been really wishy-washy for two or three years like and clearly we said before confidence player confidence was down getting taken off not being able to get a run you know and get that kind of you know momentum and that you know that, that, that he seems to thrive on Ben O'Connor <coughs> said look if there's eight or nine forwards better than him in the county we don't know anything about her so he's not messing around he said um, they'll say oh he's back in form well I was down here last year and Connor got 330 119 uh, from freeze in three matches there weren't too many other inter-county players got 330 in three matches so like I mean he is making that call but like I mean that was in the club championship the reality is he wasn't on form Niall for at inter-county level yeah like from when you've seen him at Cork I'd say the last two years he was he was kind of just maybe flattering to deceive a small bit. Like you're expecting so much out of Conor Lahan just because of how gifted he is. And it just didn't seem to be working out for him. And I'd say, like, Kieran Kingston dropping him, like, he probably had it in mind that this might be the, a good thing for Conor Lahan, you know, because maybe, like, he might, he was probably, he was playing well for the club, obviously, but when he wasn't doing it for Cork or maybe he wasn't doing it in training, he just thought that he needed something like this. And it's definitely given him the kind of encouragement that he needed because he's back to his very best now. Yeah, no, he definitely is. On to Offaly now. So St. Ryan has won their third county title in a row. Um, they scored a goal in the 62nd minute to break cool Derry Hearts. And their manager, Ken Hogan, joins us on the line now. How's it going, Ken? Great, Wooly. Great today. Thanks very much. It's, it's fair to say you had a super Sunday yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I took the frost off the, the window yesterday morning at half seven, uh, Wooly, because... Uh, in fairness, the tip commodity final was was fixed for eleven thirty, but uh, both the county but they couldn't get an alternative date. So, the, in fairness, they brought it forward an hour to half ten, which was a huge help. And I'd like to thank the commodity board and my Carkey Burris Club for agreeing to that. So it meant that we had an early start, ten thirty start, and that's that's when it all. <laughs> All the dreams came true as well. Yeah, so you won. That was a Camogie County final with your own club, Laura. Um, half ten. Like, how do you even get ready for a half ten start? Like, I mean, they're not long up out of the bed at that stage. Yeah, the funny thing about it is we played in Carrick and Shore at 11 o'clock in the championship. Uh, it was an away game against Carrick Swans. And uh, we'd be in Dublin quicker from Laura than, 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 than Carrick. But uh, so we were used to the early morning starts. So we had to be in Carrick at 10 o'clock. That means meant leaving at 8 o'clock. So. The girls were all there uh, yesterday morning at 9.30 and so did my khaki girls and uh, all systems go. There was nobody worrying about anything. Even a couple of the girls were up yesterday morning making cows uh, for their dads because they couldn't sleep with the excitement. So it, it just goes to show you a rural community, uh, Willie, what, can, what, what it can do for teams. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So you won that game by a point. Um, I'm sure there was extra time on your mind. That would, have, that would have messed up your plans for the day heading off to, to, to Tullamore. Yeah, I would have messed up uh, my plans because um, I had actually planned to go with 10 minutes to go. I'd actually told our physio, John Harding, you know, I have Aidan McIntyre, Niall's father with me, great man, Mark Houlihan, you know, and, and uh, Carolyn O'Mara and Bernie Cleary in the sideline and Pauline Hoxter. But I had actually told John Harding, John, you take over. If I had to go, I'd go with 10 minutes to go. But you couldn't go. It was nerve thing. It went down to the wire, you know. And to win that championship after so much heartbreak in the club, you know, this, this Camogie club, was almost defunct, really, uh, uh, Woolly. And uh, the girls kept it going. We had four mother, mothers playing yesterday, would you believe it? And uh, lost two players to Dubai, two great players, Quiva Kennedy and Kate O'Mara. So absolutely fantastic finish. And, of course, um, 
Clodagh McIntyre, our county player, you know, she's she soldiered with us from the very start and she played a really outstanding part with, with all the girls yesterday. Right, sounds brilliant. So did you get a chance to run on the field, do a bit of celebrating and then get the, the hell out of there? I did, I did. Oh, I went, I had to meet the players because they gave me so much throughout the year and in, in, the, in the last couple of years and uh, I couldn't let it go. I had to get out on that pitch and in fairness, um, the game went to, to pretty much the time it started at half ten I was leaving. I was leaving uh, the rag at ten to t- ten to twelve uh, with my wife Joan and uh, a great clubman Michael Lippy, and we headed for Bor. Met Andy Smith in Bor, and he's my trainer, of course, with St. Rhinus, former Galway hurler. So we headed for Tullamore, and you uh, and Martin had everything set up in Tullamore for us, our warm-up area and that. So we were there. We were there about ten past one. So in actual fact, uh, you know, uh, there was a sense of relief just to just to get to the venue first of all. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there was. And like, I mean, the 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 final then that way, it was kind of a scrappy game, was it, uh, Ken? Yeah. Well, any 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 expectations I had, or any, I was really brought down to earth. I can tell you with, with the match because uh, it was really squeaky bum time because uh, it was just one of those dog fights. Uh, column Colderry, I knew exactly what to bring to the table. Fantastic club, huge tradition, and great record against Rhinus. You know, they beat him in fifteen and I. 86 and 1980, Martin Hanemey and David Hughes had reminded the lads, their selectors of me, of what had happened to them. So they had a huge record on St. Rhinus, you know, and we obviously going for three in a row, was that little bit of pressure on us as well, but um, it just went down to the wire um, and uh, we just had, we we had to empty the subs bench, Woolly. It was one of those days, you know, when players had to be used and I suppose the importance of just having the lads with you on the sidelines, I suppose some lads think they never They'll never get an opportunity or they're frustrated not getting in. They got in and, you know, they finished the job yesterday. It was, it went down to the nerve-tingling finish, I can tell you that. So, like, I mean, explain to us, uh, to, from, I'm only reading match reports, hoping to see some highlights on TG Cahar, um tonight. Like, I mean, you were two points down and you got a 65, you scored that. So now you're only one point down. How did you end up scoring a goal? Was it a point effort that dropped short or how did this goal come about? In actual fact, what had actually happened to go back on it, Niall Wynne had come on and uh, had played very well and he flicked the ball back to Aidan Tracy and Aidan had an open goal. We thought it was the net was going to shake, but Trevor Corker made an unbelievable uh, block with his body and it went off his shoulder out for 65. And Aidan actually stayed inside. He's our free taker, Woolly. And he stayed inside. He was ask, asking Mahi Maloney, uh, uh, who he got mad at the match, to lob the ball in. And I actually... The linesman was chasing me out in the middle of the pitch because I actually had to run out and tell Aidan to come out and take the 65 because it it, it would mean it was a one-point game. Right. To give us the chance of an equaliser, you know, and I could see the clock to 61-25 or something like that. So Aidan came out and, thank God, potted the point because then it put Goldsberry under pressure. It was a one-point game. And we got the ball back up again, but it was just fantastic perseverance by our forwards. Uh, Goldsberry back did, did win the position, but he was he was turned over. And from the turnover, the ball ended up, uh, you know, getting in around the square. There was a lot of blocks, a lot of hoofs, guys had opportunities. But it just happened to pop up for Stephen Quirk. And uh, Stephen, Stephen nailed it, of course, on the volley, actually on the volley. And it was a crowd of bodies. I don't know how it got in, but it got in. So it meant it was only one last attack for Colderi. The ball came down. But, of course, our guys, our backs were absolutely brilliant all day. Both back lines were absolutely outstanding, Woolly. And our backs held out and... I think it was 64 minutes when Kieran Dooley uh, blew the game. So, 
just the fairy tale finish, but yeah. Kulderi had done the same. Kulderi had done the same St. Ryan's in 2015. Joe Brady had got a last ditch goal, so it was karma really. Like the, you know, the tables were totally turned. Right. But um, a, a rousing finish. It was a dour game. But an absolutely rousing finish. What a finish. Like the balance of power is shifting. Like it's usually the team on the up gets these lucky breaks, isn't it, Ken? Like, I mean, it's fairy tale stuff. Like in 15, that wouldn't have happened, G. But now I suppose you're, you're after winning two and that bit of confidence. These things just happen out, seem to happen like that. Yeah, it's been a long campaign, really, um, Woolly, because obviously the 2020 final was uh, at the 11th hour was called off. Obviously, Croke Park called off the last county finals of the last Sunday in November last year, as you well remember. And it meant that we had to play the 2020 final in August against Kilcormick Kilohi, yeah. our, our old rivals. And it meant that we had to peak for two finals. And I could actually see, you know, even though the lads were really giving it everything, you could see there was a little bit of staleness coming in, you know. Um, and from that point of view, I suppose, that's why uh, substitutes play a huge part. And it's not the team you start with, Willie. It's the team, really, that you finish with. Uh, that's that's so important, and every every guy that came in there, and every guy that put his body on the line, was doing it for the club. And I think uh, it was the real hallmarks of, of of what what can happen. You can never, you know, underestimate uh, the people that you have behind you in the bench as well. And also, you, you have to prepare for every eventuality, and everything happens yesterday. You know, we came in with Luke O'Connor; he had a, rib, a serious rib injury, and you're playing on fit player. But if it was a three sub era, will he? you wouldn't have played him because you, you can't afford with three subs. With, but with five subs, you can't afford to take the risk and you know that there's somebody to come in. So Luke, Luke didn't manage to, obviously, yeah, he was he was under severe pressure during the game and have, we had to replace him. So all those permutations turn up, of course. It's interesting, like, I mean, with the delayed final from last year, and even talking from a leash perspective, Clock Balakala won it in August and won it again. Port Arlington won it in August and won it again. Now you've won it in August and won it again. I suppose when you win one and there isn't another one till the following year, there's no momentum to carry you over. Whereas, you know, it is a long season, but at the same time, that win you know, you actually got tangible uh, momentum from it. Yeah, but the funny thing about it is, like, we, we had a very tough group, uh, you know, in the 2021 campaign, and we ended up then playing Burr, who gave us a uh, uh, right arse beaten, uh, will you say the truth, uh, played by 12, 13 points, and they actually failed to qualify because of, of score, score difference or head-to-head. Right. And uh, I think that brought us down to earth with a bang because um, we just had to get... Uh, our act together and like like any rural community and you've seen it yourself Willie like there's guys travelling there's lads working in Intel Manus Dublin uh, Ronan Hughes and Donald Moran coming from Shannon and you know they're on winter roads you know the beauty of the state championship is, is great but it's winter you know facilities you know we're lucky we have the floodlights but these guys are travelling on the road at 8 o'clock at night and travelling home you know to get back to get back to base at midnight so we, we can't underestimate these guys the, the absolute commitment to give to it and that's not just our club it's every club in the country that's involved in competition at this time of the year you know so um, just hats off to everybody I think it was a savage championship in Offaly uh, like um, you earn every little thing every 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 ounce you earn it and with Kulderi and with uh, Kilcormick Kalahi or Borough any of those uh, outstanding teams they will put it. They will put it to the wire, and um, 
you earn everything. You don't deserve anything in life, as you well know, Willie. You earn it, and we we just got about, we just got there. Yeah, exactly. So this is your sixth Offaly County title. You went to school in Burr, obviously. So the, you know the the connections there. You won one with Burr in nineteen ninety one. I I didn't realize that until today. You were still hurling with Tip at that stage. You won two with Cool Derry, which I knew about, and got them to an All Ireland final, and three more with Saint Rhinas now. So like, I mean, it's not a bad record you have in Offaly. I look at the this huge connection is awfully like I went to school obviously in Bor. We shop in Bor. I'm just across the bridge, uh, Woolly, just across the bridge, and uh, my father refereed a number of Offaly county finals in the fifties and sixties. So we have a huge connection with Offaly, and uh, I suppose I'm very close to the border there. You know, Kulderi was only ten, twelve minutes. Banner is only fifteen minutes for me. You know, right? And obviously, I got caught in '91 as a kid. I got caught in '91 when I was playing, and of course the Babs was manager. If it was anyone other manager, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been managing a, a club team. I can tell you, but the Babs, the Babs didn't mind. He said, "Work away, Ken. Once you're once you're standing in the goals and getting away the ball, just work away there. Do what you want, you know." So it, it's different times, I suppose. Different times, but great great innings with these great clubs, and uh, you know, just plenty of heartache as well. Uh, Woolly involved in this management trade, as you well know, and uh, uh, you take you take the good days, but. The, the, the huge fill-up for me is, you know, Savage loves his native shore. The huge fill-up for me was winning the, the Junior Championship with Laura Gares yesterday because they gave me absolutely everything. Uh, blood, guts and thunder. And, and you know, they always say that the team, the team that wins is the team that wants to win most. And uh, this this team had suffered heartache and to get over the line yesterday in the junior camogie was, was unbelievable, you know. Yeah, well, it's, not, it's always the, the best, with, with, obviously, with your own club. Like, I mean, you went back to Laura last night. A little birdie told me there was some dancing going on on tables in Mars. Now, whether you were you were up to that or not, I don't know. How would any table hold me up, uh, Woody? <laughs> but I can tell you this much. Uh, the Fair Play to Mars, they're a great host and they have a lot of outdoor facilities. And it actually suited us to be outdoors because um, they have they have... Fantastic facility, but the the girls are an absolute high. You know, we brought down the cup, the Sean Robbins Cup in Banagher. We brought down uh, the hill of Banagher down, down, and huge crowd turned out. All the kids were absolutely thrilled because obviously with the pandemic we couldn't have uh, a parade or anything like that. Uh, brought it down the hill, and like sport is brilliant. We've had a lot of heartache in the club in the last couple of weeks, no more than any other club. And Connor Clancy, you know, our three in a row captain, his father. Underwent, uh, you know, uh, uh, brain surgery last week. Would you believe it? And uh, came through it thankfully. And we wish him all the best. Simon Lyons, a great Saint Ryan stalwart. You know, uh, uh, Ill, Ill at the moment, but he's going to he's going to come good, to, good because he's such a positive man. And and in cold they had their they had their heartache as well. So from everybody's point of view, sport, you know, it's a huge kind of save for us all. It's a huge outlet, and it gives us. It gives the momentum to keep living and, and, and keep going, you know. Yeah, no, no, it definitely does. And just mentioning Cool Derry there, Ken, I presume, you know, you go into the, the loser's dressing room and you say one or two words and a lot of the time, you know, players aren't listening and the manager's not too bothered about it. I presume that was a one of the more difficult one one of them you had to do. Yeah, and to the very same dressing room, my last day with, with playing uh, Cool Derry was in 2014 against Kilcormick Kalahi in the semi-final. And it was, you know, I... I I choked at, when I was speaking to the players and it was the same yesterday. I went into those set of players. Um, absolute legends, but I must salute the Kulderi club, the respect that they paid me and, and how gen- gracious they were in defeat. But most of all, I think 
Um, you know, all the elder statesmen were there, Brian Carroll and the lads, they have been wonderful servants. But the young guys carrying that jersey for Kulderi now, the young fellas that have come through, they're absolutely outstanding yesterday, you know. And they're, they're leaving a great legacy in, in Kulderi. They'll never be down. They might be uh, down today, but they'll never be out. They'll be challenging for honours in the future again. And uh, it was heartwarming to go into them and the welcome they gave me. But um, at the end of the day, uh, the job had to be done and uh, we were we were just lucky enough to get over the line. Yeah, exactly. So where are the points today? Is it Laura or is it Banaher? Yeah, well, I, I spent my night in Laura last night and uh, funny funny enough, I'm, I'm working today because that was the work schedule that I have. I'm at lunchtime at the moment now, fully. So um, we just we just have to be conscious of the fact of keeping safe. I can't say that enough, but the most important thing, I suppose, is that we do enjoy ourselves and have have the crack together and, and, and enjoy enjoy your own space and I suppose the lads the lads will be having a liquid breakfast today and I'm sure our girls are probably could be in Bor actually that you mentioned that the very uh, town uh, the town of Bor could be buzzing today with a lot of liquid breakfast so looking forward to, to meeting them around the town today Well if those girls had a match at half ten I'd say they must be dying today. They must have been in the pub at half past 12 yesterday. I'd say they were in the right, right form by the time you got back to Laura. Come here, Ken. I won't keep you any, any longer. Um, I know you're in work. We won't tell Anthony Daly that you, you went on a rival podcast. We'll keep that between me and you. Yeah, well, Dalo, Dalo is, is a very versatile man himself. He keeps around himself. So um, I'm sure I'm sure at some stage we'll, we'll even get down to visit Marty Browns uh, 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 and, and enjoy, enjoy the fruits of our, our work so listen great talking to you Willie. thanks a lot Ken I appreciate it anytime both take care bye bye great stuff from Ken there obviously a uh, huge um, name in Laura Niall you obviously could surpass him with this fitness uh, Ireland's fittest family now that you're a TV star he wasn't dancing on tables your sister was the one dancing on tables uh, Niall well, I was talking. Get your information. I right. was, um, I was on the phone to my father this morning, and he told me <laughs> that Ken Hogan was the man dancing on tables. And actually, I brought my sister up to Dublin last night, and she said she was dancing on a table. And then she looks across, and Ken Hogan was beside her dancing on a table. So I think maybe his memory is gone. It could be, it could be something to do with the drinking. But it was, it was a great day for him. And like everyone in Laura, you'd be delighted for him, like because it, it's not easy for Ken when he's training Ryan. Is sure he yeah. must be with them three or four nights a week. But when we were training with the lads, Ken would be over with the girls and he'd very rarely miss a session. He was there twice or three nights a week. And like for to do that with a junior B camogie team, like he'd know his daughter wasn't on the team. And like he's, well, that was you know, the one that was the one I was going. I, I immediately asked you, he said, you know, has he got a daughter on it or something? like that? And you said no. And that is like the, the definition of a volunteer. And like, I mean, I'm not going to say that like, when Mannix and Arias start playing GA, I'm sure I'll get over their teams. But for me, that's spending time with them. I'd probably be going watching anyway. I don't, like, mm. I don't know. But to, to go and selflessly take over a team with no direct connection to it, like, I mean, that's what, that's what makes it, you know, all the, all the more impressive. Yeah, like he's just, like, you'd always know a Ken in fairness that he's just a complete fanatic, like, and he absolutely lives and breeds, like, coaching at the moment, like, and, he always has done that and like I suppose there's no in junior B camogie there's no glamour in that like you know yeah, you're yeah. not like he's making the headlines today but you wouldn't usually like if Banner didn't win on the same day there'd be no headlines for the Laura camogie team like so no, no it's just a, he's put a, you on the map today now. He's, for the put, game, yeah, he's so. put you on the map <laughs> talking about no glamour uh, Lee let's get on to the Mayo County final because there was certainly no glamour in this very very low 
um, on quality. Probably the only bit of quality in the game um, in the first half anyway was James Ruddy's goal. That was fantastic. And like, I mean, I sound like a broken record. What was unique about James Ruddy's goal? Two bloody kick passes. So it was McHale who who kicked passed down to Aidan Normand, and Aidan Normand gave a lovely diagonal ball. Two kick passes. Now Bill Mullet's defensive system has been torn apart because they can't drift players back. And James Ruddy, who could have been lucky to be still on the field at this stage, he gave a terrible hit on the Bill Mullet cornerback, ran straight into his back for no reason at all, and then got a yellow card for a high tackle. He could have been gone off. In fairness to him, he finished it really well. And I'm watching this game live going, that's game over. That was just an injury time at the end of the first half. I think that made it 1-1 to a point. But like the way that game had had been going, that game, that you know, that goal pretty much sealed it. Yeah, definitely. And just before the the two kick passes, it was a turnover as well. So it just really hurts the Bell Mullet, you know, the way because they would like base their whole game on not giving away possession cheaply by any means. And it's worth mentioning too that both kick passes, you know, one went to the right side of the pitch and then yeah. the other was kicked into the left, you know, so there was a change of direction. Switch it, yeah. They're smart kick passes as well. Like they're not he's not lumping it in randomly. Um, and then the Aidan Orm one was, was fantastic. It was outside the left straight. And it was sort of, them outside the boot ones with the spin on it, they can be really hard to catch dead. Like if you're looking to catch that as a full forward and call for a mark, you know, it can be tricky. But he sort of took took it with the momentum. As he caught it, he turned with it. Um, left, you know, that, that spinned his man. And then it left him one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And I think he put it underneath his legs in the end. I watched it a couple of times. I'm nearly sure he nutmegged him, but it was a really, really tidy finish. And just a lovely moment of, like a couple of flashes of brilliance in what was overall a, a pretty dull game. Wasn't enough to say that the whole game was exciting, but it was definitely as, as at the best 10 seconds in the entire game for sure. It was. And it, like the finish is underrated because he opened up his whole body to put it into the you know the right-hand corner and whipped it back to the other side. Didn't wh- wh- whip it back the whole way to the corner, but it did enough to kind of throw the goalkeeper off. So, like, I mean, Ruddy deserves credit, even though, like I said, he was lucky to stay on the field. Not only was it low on quality, um, you know, defensive game. Now, in fairness to him, this was a very heavy pitch, not like Parnell Park or this, you know, this <coughs> Ballinaz, a boggy, boggy field by the looks of it. Lee, loads of play acting and holding your face and going down. And like, I mean, this has to be said because if this was Tyrone or something, we'd be really going on to town about this. Mayo wouldn't be as known for it, but it was very, very noticeable in the first half. A lot of play acting and a lot of late hits and overacting then about how hurt you were and oh god it was just it was just desperate final altogether yeah that's what I was saying because I had the glare match on at the same time and every time I looked up to the TV with TG Kihar it seemed like someone was on the floor um, I don't know I wonder if it's like the tenseness of a final um, especially a really defensive final like that where scores are few and far to, uh, between so getting a free kick or conceding a free kick is absolutely dire. And then actually winning a free, especially from a scoreable position, you know, can win or lose you the game. So they're really treating it like it's life or death. You know, can I really buy this free kick or not? But there was some really poor, poor examples of people just like lying on the floor. I think both teams got a black yard. Uh, um, yeah, both teams did definitely yeah. get a black yard. And there was loads of yellows flying out as well. And just like... I don't know, like if, if you're really struggling to get in a game and you can't make an impact by getting a big score, then, you know, and you're all amped up, it's final, the crowd, because the crowd were brilliant. Like, you know, they were cheering it on like it was the most exciting match ever. And we all know it wasn't. Um, so when you get amped up, you, the only thing you can really do, you know, with all that amped up energy is to shoulder someone or leave in a lazy hit or, 
just go over that line and it, it definitely crossed the line a couple of times. Yeah, there was only 4,000 added, which I thought was a disappointing crowd for a Mayo County final. We know how fanatical they are. We know Bell Mullet's only, only a small place, but and, and whatever way they were positioned <coughs> in the grounds, when a, when a point would be kicked, a lot of the a lot of the crowd didn't know it was a point until the umpire blew the flag. So it was this delayed kind of uh, I don't know delayed cheer. I I I, I don't I don't really know what what to say about it. Ryan O'Donoghue obviously didn't get get into the game at all. He barely got a kick of it. We're talking about Paul Mannion. He barely got a kick but scored two points. Ryan O'Donoghue probably the only chance he had in the game was a goal opportunity that was blocked down brilliantly by the by the Knockmore I think it was the midfielder um, I suppose Ryan O'Donoghue when, when they live off so much scraps and and they don't score all that much and they scored goals in the previous two games you know he, he probably felt he had to go for a goal there yeah, like in Ryan O'Donoghue was like he was the main man the whole way through with the championship for Bell Mullet, and yeah. he was probably the man that got brought them through to the final. Like so, like their whole hopes were nearly pinned on him. Like it's probably it's tough enough for a lad. I think he's only twenty two or three, so like it was it's tough enough for him to have I suppose that much pressure, especially when you've been carrying the team all year. So when he didn't show up, Bell when he didn't have his best game, Bell Mullet were always going to struggle. Like and in fairness, Conor Heenan he kind of he kind of half had us warned that it was he maybe said it in a attractive way he tried to build up this the defensive thing but if you read through the lines you nearly could have seen it coming yeah he's an old romantic as well Connor. he built that up to he mm. built that final up that it was going to be fantastic stuff altogether he Jesus. sold us the dream he sold us the dream <laughs> um, now I, I, I'm going to I, I'm doubting his information now after seeing that but I suppose nobody expected it to be um, as dull um, as it was not more captain Dave McHale who played really well um, he obviously lifted the cup for the second year in a row his sister died uh, just two months um, ago, so like you know, you know, uh, something to bring him some happiness into his life, which was I, I read that today, um, and I was I was really happy about it. To be fair, Knockmore were in, were in control of the game. Bill Mullet got it back to two, and you thought maybe something was on, but they just took over again then, and it and it just kind of uh, petered out. Um, St. Lomans won the replay in Westmead. Um, this <coughs> the reason I, the, you know Lomans won it last year. This is their second um, in a row. They've been in in something like six or seven finals in a row. But they had a five point lead with seven minutes to go. Uh, Lee and we've been talking about Nafina and we've been talking about extra time is very harsh. It's very harsh on the team that throws away the lead. And then you have St. Lomans thrown away a five point lead with seven minutes to go. Now there's extra time. If you're at that match. You're thinking, Jesus, here's Gary Castle now. Their tails are up. Lomans' heads are down. You, you know, Gary Castle should go on and win this. And Lomans went on and won it convincingly in extra time. So I just don't know what to say anymore, Leah. I'm just totally confused. I thought we had this cracked. <laughs> well, I think I was actually against that. I didn't believe in the replays. I was all for extra time. I thought it was fair. But um, in this situation, yeah, no, like Gary Castle, they definitely had the momentum going forward. Uh, the goalkeeper just hit a 45, um, Sean Brennan. He had a 45 right at the death, I think, to equalise it. It was one ten each or something going into extra time. And you could totally see, like, from the outside looking in, you, you would fully expect them to sort of then rally on. But maybe experience is, is what's key in them sort of situations. Yeah. Um, like J- John Heslin, the captain, I think he scored three points then. He, he was pretty poor in the first half. And then as the game got on, he got more and more into it. And then he kicked three in extra time, him one of the you know the more experienced players, the leader stepping up into that situation and settling his team down again, and then they were able just just to take control again. And even sometimes when you do a late uh, comeback, like a real big burst, it, it can it can take everything out of you, you know, because you did all that and you still have another you know half an hour to play or, or twenty minutes to play. Um, like it can be psychologically quite draining as well. 
Yeah, Shane Dempsey scored too. He would be a big player for them too. So they're big players stood up. And I suppose, look, I, I was uh, kind of messing there to start. If you're a favourite going into the game and you have that confidence, even if the other <coughs> team come back at you, you'll still say, look, you know, it's, it's all psychological. Whereas if you're underdogs and this is your one opportunity and it's, oh, we're nearly there. Oh no, we've thrown that away. You know, that's where the psychology of it comes in, I suppose, Now, Yeah, I'd agree with what Lee like, is saying there that like Gary Castle probably thought that they had it. You know, like they were so excited after coming from five points down and they're delighted going into the dressing room. You nearly feel as if you've, you've won the game, you know, and maybe you can get carried away a small bit. But um, yeah, like Lomans, their, their experience, like having been in seven finals, they're not going to be phased heading into extra time. Like it's just another few minutes for them. And with the big players like John Heslin and Shane Dempsey standing up, like, you know, it's... Uh, like it's a good it's a good win for St. Lomans. Like they're just they're very hard to beat in Westmead. Yeah, no, they definitely are. Denier won in Waterford. Um Michael Ryan is their manager. So he played with them. Michael Ryan obviously better known for managing women's team. He's thirty two All Ireland winning ladies football teams. Um this is the first time he's managed his club Denier to a county title. Um he lost two as a player in 1987 and 1989. We've had Michael Ryan on the show here. Love Michael Ryan. Um, he's a great character. Um, and I'm delighted for him uh, that they won it. Jimmy Barron was black-carded with four minutes left. Um, they were kind of backs-to-the-wall uh, kind of stuff, but they held out um, in the end. So f- congratulations to him. And he managed uh, Bally McCarberry, ladies, who won 40 in a row. Um, now, one thing, because I, I, never, I never commented on this 40 in a row. Uh, thing and sometimes I think you know when it's when it's ladies uh, football you all, all everything I read about that was oh what a fantastic achievement where like if that was at the men's county final you go what a shy championship that is do you know what I mean but the reality is a 40 in a row Lee like I mean what's the point of that championship and is there not something can be done I think there's only three teams can the other two teams not amalgamate and make some sort of a bloody championship there like 40 in a row this shouldn't be congratulations this should be how the blood how the hell do we fix this championship yeah and to be fair i mean after 10 in a row 30 times ago they probably should have been asking that question you know to even get let it get this far like 40 in a row you know when i was reading that you know you sort of have to read it a couple of times you're like 40. i can't be right 40, 40 times in a row, 40 seasons, 40 years. Like, I mean, it's just, I, I, what, what can you say about that? Like, that championship is obviously a dead duck, you know. They need to fix something and they, they need to fix it ASAP because it's, it mustn't even be, do they even celebrate it anymore? Like, I mean, we talk about, team, you know, like Dublin, all it sort of loses its, uh, its allure once you've got six in a row and, you know, it's maybe just not as special. But after 40, I mean, it must just be a trinket that you throw in the uh, drawer afterwards that's it that's it like I mean sometimes you find yourself plumossing the ladies game whereas you wouldn't do it with the men's game we went down there to do a video with Michael Ryan I think it was after the uh, <clears throat> 38 in a row and we were chatting to Michael Ryan and his daughter Michelle like and Michael Ryan is just the most passionate man like I've ever I'd say I've ever interviewed you know like he tells story after story and I remember he was telling me the first day he got involved like he didn't want to be involved at all his wife and his sisters were on the team and they begged him to take over the team. And he said, right, I'll, I'll go to the first session. And I'll, he said, I'll run the legs off them and they won't want me back again. And he said he came back the next week and there was 20 there and he just kept getting dragged the whole way back. And uh, which, yeah, the 40 in a row thing is, uh, 
it's a little bit it's just hard to get your head around because I saw his daughter Michelle she was tweeting after the 38 in a row and she was saying oh it doesn't it's not as easy as it looks you know these are hard games I mean it's 40 in a row Michelle come on like I mean Jesus there's something has to be done there um, to make that uh, championship a little bit more interesting I suppose a little bit you, you'd want to give them a little bit of credit too for winning the 40 in a <laughs> I row would, yeah. um, I'd be more of the lines what the hell's going on there um, that's all oh Derry Gonnelly beat Dennis Gillen there's not too much to say about this one I think I think that's all the county finals um, to beat them well in the end obviously as we said on Thursday very young Enniskillen team and their time will probably come but there was no major talking points um, out of it because I want to talk about Austin Stack's penalty takers wow there's no point in saying anything else like I mean Ivan Parker missed Jack Barry with a, a bit of a Tony Cascarino type penalty <laughs> I would call it remember Tony Cascarino's penalty in Italian 90 where he took all the he kicked the ground and just kind of ploughed it in that was a bit like Jack Barry's uh, penalty the other night it was a desperate penalty um, but went in but the, the the Austin Stacks penalty like GA players don't practice penalties all that much I know Kieran Donaghy said afterwards that they were practising him and these games are going to extra time but Jesus Christ they, they were sensational penalties Lee like they were like proper professional soccer player penalties yeah, that's it. I mean, they look like they've been practicing it loads, to be fair. Um, in terms of, like, when you, when you hear that the game's going to go to extra time and that it has to be won on the day and that there will be penalties if necessary, I suppose it makes it, it only makes sense that they do some practice for it because you got to, like, prepare for all eventualities and things like that. But I don't know if they were just staying behind and doing it for hours on the end afterwards because it was top corner, bottom corner, side of the net. You know, it felt like you just pick where they wanted to hit it and, and that's where it would go. Um, in fairness, like some Brendan's weren't bad penalties either. It was just the one of them that missed. Um, Ivan Parker, I think, missed. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like so a lot of them were very tidy as well. It, it sort of wasn't... Um, it wasn't a good look for the goalkeepers in that end because you really wait for one of them to step up and make the, the big heroic save. Yeah, well, talking about goalkeepers, the St. Brendan's goalkeeper won't want to watch that game uh, back. And whatever about the first goal, but the second goal, like, I mean, at senior club level, those goals can never happen. You're training too long in the year. Like, I remember goals like that happening at under-14 level where, you know, your goalkeeper might only fill half the goals, you know, Mm. and sometimes a high ball would be going in, your heart would be in your mouth. Oh, Jesus, you know, with with, uh, the slippery hands and the fact that you're not that tall. I mean, not that tall of a goalkeeper, but there is no way ever... And I know Kieran Donahue was coming in, but Christ, this wasn't a huge ball coming from a long distance. It was, it was just a lobbed one from the wing. Can't let a goal in at that level like that, uh, Niall. No, it was a sickener for St. Brendan's, in fairness, because the two goals were uh, a small bit soft. Flukes, like, and they, yeah. probably, they probably were the better team. Like, with, like, Ivan Parker was definitely the best player on the pitch, like, and they should have won that game. But the goal, yeah, like it just looped in, and whether you, you either catch the ball or you just palm it away, like it was just... This, I think Kieran Donahue was kind of coming in. And he should have maybe, caught that ball. I don't yeah. think he even needs to palm that. It wasn't that. It wasn't that hard of a ball to deal with. I don't think yeah. even. I suppose yeah. Like lads just can make mistakes and these things happen. Like, so a, yeah. you'd feel from a small bit because uh, it, it kind of cost him in the end. Like just a big, a big mistake from him. Yeah, it has to be pointed out without completely going overboard on it. But I, I just know if I was on the field seeing that happen, you'd be going, ah, oh, Jesus! Like after. And another thing is, I thought Austin Stacks got a very soft free then. Um, at the end to equalise it and you know just one thing at that situation Lee all the pressures on Austin Stacks at that stage and like I mean the easiest oh, thing gosh. ever is to give them a free and like just stay away from them 
if they are good enough to kick a point from play, never, ever, ever give the referee an opportunity to draw it up. You know, don't even put your hands in near them. And it was almost just that rush of blood to the head. Because people always always understand that, you know, the team defending a lead is under pressure. They're not. The team chasing the lead are the ones that are nervous and under pressure. They, they don't want to make a mistake. Don't give them the free that they desperately want. You know, that kind of way. And Brendan's did. Yeah, I mean, maybe it came off the back of like that. Because that goal was a, that you were talking about was a real sucker punch, you know, to them. And they're probably throwing their heads up and then they're sort of feeling the pressure. And like, you know, like we've had this and now it's ours to lose. And, we, and we're looking like we're going to lose it. And then that's when you start putting in the silly tackles. And, you know, Austin Stacks are not stupid either like you when you're chasing the game you try to try to win a free kick but not i don't necessarily mean you're that you're diving or, or simulation or anything like that but you try to take on two or three men you know we try to get the momentum behind you in your run and um, so that if you go down you can sort of buy that free and in the end they, they were silly enough to give it to them and it was the sign of like i don't know if lack of experience or whatever but i mean it must have been I, I, it's just a hands in the head situation because they felt like they could have won it on two or three different occasions and they just kept letting it slip. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we can't go off that game without giving a shout out to Kieran Donaghy who scored the, the winning penalty. Like, sensational. I don't know if he's 38 or 39. There was a bit of a dispute. <coughs> Donaghy thinks he's 38, 39, but Darren O'Sullivan is adamant he's only 38. I thought that was funny. I thought Darren O'Sullivan was very good um, on it, actually. Um Kieran Donaghy, whether he's thirty eight or thirty nine, I, I tend to believe Kieran Donaghy. Unless he, well, maybe he added, maybe he added an, a year on just to make it, you know, sound even better. I'm thirty nine, mm. um, but what a penalty! Like, I mean, his legs. This is after extra time at thirty nine year old. I know he's in, only in on the edge of the square, but he's dropping back a good bit. He's up and down the field. Um, and it was a brilliant penalty. Like, I would not trust myself in that situation to score that penalty. Absolutely not. I, I reckon I put my hand up for stupidly because, you know, you don't want to be the one that bitched out of it and didn't, you know, didn't mm. want to take a penalty. What a finish, I suppose, now. When you seen him walking up to take the penalty, you just knew he was going to score. Like, I just, he, he was never going to Did miss. You? Like, I didn't think, uh, Fitzmaurice was very confident. But, like, you know, when you see a big man like that coming up, I wasn't that confident. He's a skillful big man, though, isn't he? Like, yeah. you know, when he's... um. Like yeah, the whole way the whole way through that game, like you could see him, he was running down, he was back in his own full back line a few times and he was he was back up the field again, like and geez, he's just um he's an unbelievable gore, isn't he, in fairness? And uh yeah, when when he's talking about his age, I'd probably give him the benefit of the doubt that he would know know his own age in fairness. But like Darren O'Sullivan, he did have us warned. He t- I think he said a few of them Austin Sachs boys that they are they are soccer players, like and the, like he, he knew the, the penalties would be good and that's what they were it was one lad hit one and it was right into the top corner it was good as I've ever seen like. yeah yeah, and another lad rolled it beautifully into the bottom corner off the inside of his boot there were some brilliant penalties even like Lee says on both sides um, For that's it for the county finals there, there's loads of drama in the provincial championships um, Lee you were watching Unions versus Glen. Judging by the score not a not a, an absolute classic here but Unions would be kicking themselves they had this they had this game won yeah, definitely not a classic by any means. It was a bit like the, uh, the the Dublin final in that it sort of burst to life in the last 10 minutes. Um, Glenn were without uh, Emmett Bradley and they were definitely missing him. And then Kieran McFall picked up a knock pretty early in the game and it seemed to curtail him for a lot of it. He wasn't making the sort of bulging runs forward that you know him for, but he came to life sort of again in the last 10 minutes. So Union's very defensive, as you'd imagine. And Kieran McFall hits over this point to make it a, a, a point in it. Then 
Glenn rewarded a penalty. Stevie O'Hara, the substitute for Glenn, was one on one with the goalkeeper. He gets dragged down. But really weirdly, um, it seemed like no one in Glenn wanted to take the penalty. It passed the hands of two or three different forwards at this stage. Ooh. And it was Connolly the McGuckin who took it in the end. And, and, you know, he was having a good enough game. So why not? And he hits a decent enough penalty, goes right bottom corner, but the keeper gets a good save to it. And you're just thinking at this stage, well, Union are, you know, Unions are definitely going to win it now. They're a point to the good. They've stopped the penalty. You know, they've got all the momentum. The ball works itself to Michael Warnock, who hits it an outrageous point from range to make it equal. And then from that kick out, Unions hits it to uh, a Unions half forward. He's under pressure straight away, so he turns and fist passes it back to the goalkeeper, which of course blew up straight away for a foul right in front of the goal. Oh, you Danny can't. Callan with, yeah, you can't go back to the goalie. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and he knew straight away as soon as he hit the fist pass, his hands went straight in his head, and the goalkeeper oh, sort of shit. caught it, and they dropped it like immediately and pretended like he never caught it. Um, right. it was sort of the commentators couldn't really work out why the free was given at that stage, but then it was sort of clarified at the end, and it was like the easiest but probably the most pressured kick. Danny Tallon would ever have to take in his life but you know cool as you like he slots it over the bar and that that, that won it for them in the end they win by a single point and that's Glenn's first ever um, first ever win in the Ulster uh, Championship Yeah. Uh, so now they'll play I think Monaghan Scotstown next week in Celtic Park and it'll be like a double header with the intermediate champion Steelstown as well so that'll be a good watch So without having seen it again we'll see it on TG Cahar tonight you would love before we do this show to see all all these um, highlights so when the ball Patton obviously kicked it out to the half back or half forward whichever you say half forward and he gave it yeah, back to him forward, yeah. say if Patton had realised shit I'm not I can't catch this would that have gone into the net or where was Patton on the field like could Patton if Patton because you'd blame you'd blame the wing forward for ha- yeah. passing it back to him but I would blame Patton Moore who, who's the goalkeeper who takes all the kickouts and should know better than the half forward that I can't catch this back yeah um, and it's, it's the like, things we don't know as well was he calling for it you know is that way he give it you know so there, that's an element to bring into it too so like the half forward it was number 12 I didn't catch his name but um he, he, he gets the kick out and he turns straight into trouble like it was a short kick out and the Glen players you know they you know their tails are up they've just equalised and they're really looking to get this win they don't want it to go to the replay or extra time um, he turns his back he gives it straight to the goalkeeper and I, he sort of catches it waits kind of late to let it drop see it was on one of them uh, streaming service websites so the camera nice. quality was not brilliant and it wasn't very good at keeping up with the ball by any means but he definitely did seem to catch it and then the referee blew up something straight away but I actually thought because uh, then the Glen forwards had rushed the goalkeeper you know they had no sooner uh, left the half forward to try and swarm the goalkeeper to put him under pressure but they were calling for it straight away as soon as they knew that he had handled it um, and it, it, a dire mistake in the end really like and it's definitely I mean uh, just such an annoying one from their point of view I'm sure because it's like it's easier not to do nearly than to do. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Blessington um, had a huge win um, over Bull Nocta, who obviously won the Leinster title in 2018. Blessington hadn't won a Wicklow title in 38 years. They went away to Mullen Nocta. They were 1-5 to no score down. Right? Let's get this. Away to Mullen Nocta. 1-5 <coughs> to no score down after winning their first county title in 38 years. You imagine, right, Ages, ah, these lads now have been on the beer and they're happy enough with their Wicklow title and that's it. Mullinocta didn't score again and they won 1-7 to 5 points. Like, I mean, what is going on here? Their manager, Jonathan Daniels, uh, explained it. He says, we decided to push straight up, 
push up on the kickouts and go for broke. We said not to worry about what happened at the other end and just go after their kickouts. We went for broke. Again, every time I read quotes like that, I say, Jonathan Daniels, why didn't you go for broke from the bloody first minute? Why can't every manager say, let's go for broke? Let's go for it. I understand there would have been underdogs in that and maybe they were looking to go defensively. But can this not be a message to every manager that might be listening or in the country anyways? They were 1-5 to no score down. They went for broke. They, they scored 1-7 to no <coughs> score. You know, if they, if, if, if they had been defensive and opened up and were hammered, you know, you'd, there'd be a lot more kind of criticism of, geez, you should have kept more bodies back behind the ball. Like, I mean, go for the bloody game. Like a lot of these, in this weather, a lot of these games are 50-50. Your champion, every, every club is champions of their county. You're coming into the game with loads of confidence. Go and try and win the bloody game. Um, but huge uh, credit to Blessington. There was loads of good games in the provincial championships. Again, getting going to criticise the fact they overlapped the county and we're only giving them a little bit of a mention. Ballinamore deserve a lot of credit. Niall, they almost beat Mount Bellew, my lock. Not almost beat them, but they had them in a lot, a lot of trouble. Yeah, I think there were two. When I checked the game, I'm not sure how long it was gone, but it was 2-4 to Ballinamore to five points to Mount Bellew, my lock. And in fairness, when Mount Bellew had only won last weekend, similar enough to Tullamore I suppose it was it, it's probably tough enough to sort of get going into it straight away do you know because you're probably you were you were celebrating for a few days and then do you know it can, after reaching sort of Everest it can be tough to get going again but um, Mount Bellew did get going again and I'd say it was similar enough to the um, the boys against against Mulnyakta that was oh, Blessington Blessington against Mulnyakta yeah because um, like I think it was definitely a wind in the in the in the Mount Bellew and Balnamore game, but there must have been something similar in the Blessington game because uh, if they just pushed up on the kickouts, I'd say the kickouts they can't have been going too far, and the boys were just. Let's all not over talk it, about like. kickouts. This is my going for broke theory, right? Don't ruin my going for broke theory. There could have been a wind. I'm not too sure. There, there, there there's a good chance um, that there was a wind if there was a wind over towards the west (laughs) (laughs) let's just say the last one we want to talk about here um, lads is an ace beat Tullamore and we have seen the clip of this and this is just heartbreaking uh, circumstances so Nace are two points down this is the last attack of the game pretty much there's a long ball goes in it's caught by Nace it's laid off to Derek Herwin who shoots at goal and it's a brilliant um, save by Corey White um, in the Tullamore goals and you imagine that's it that's the chance over the ball breaks from the save out to Aaron Levy who has his back who, who's facing his goal and he gets he gets the ball so he turns blind on the turn and goes to lash the ball down the field and the referee's going to blow the full time whistle and Derek Herwin doesn't feel sorry for himself runs in blocks um, Aaron Levy down and the ball trickles into the net and poor Corey White after after like Corey White probably should have saved it I say he just wasn't expecting it he had just made a great save from a shot that he was expecting and the ball just trickles over the end line now like I mean I have never ever seen because we were talking recently about the ball which was it a hurling match Alan Connolly got one for Black Rock Alan Connolly yeah and we're saying we see that a lot in soccer but we don't see it in Gaelic games now we've just seen it to win a Leinster club championship match in heartbreaking this was the last this was it yeah in fairness like as you said you would have to give credit to Derek Herwin because like he didn't feel sorry for himself and he was straight in on your man like and he was just hunting him down straight away your man didn't see that obviously he he just turned around to sort of boot Aaron, Le- Aaron, Aaron Levy, Levy. Yeah. He, did, he just turned around to kind of boot it out the field and in fairness like 
I can kind of see why he did it. Like it was the uh, it was four minutes of added time. The ball is floating around the like when any time the ball is in there and you're it's only a two point or a one point game. Like it's just pure panic stations and it's real frantic. And he was just mad to get rid of it. Like Tullamore needed a bit more composure, do you know, because if yeah. he ran with it or if he kind of turned around and he probably had been bottled up, he he could have won a free or something like that. But like I would have a bit of sympathy for him because it's just it's. Like the situation like that, you kind of just want to get it out of there, don't you? Like, and it's just, it was, it was heartbreaking. Like, what a way to lose a game. Like, because we're two points up as well. And, yeah. Oh, man. Oh it, oh, it definitely is. Like, I mean, but the only, the way I would look at it with Aaron Levy, Levy as well is that I suppose if he was throwing goals, Lee, and he went to balloon it and it went way wide or got blocked down, you'd say, geez, he had no composure there. You know, that was a very poor effort. It was the last kick of the game. I would equally analyse what he did on his the edge of his own six yard box because he blindly tried to drive it down the field he didn't know who was behind him and just you know a, a serious lack of composure um, even though you would give Derek Kerwood an awful lot of, there's no way Derek Kerwood thought that this block was going to go into the net but he, he, he went to block it down probably to win the ball back yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I, I think like I mean, you're always taught the most important thing, and especially late in the game, is the breaking ball, the loose ball. So as soon as you know, as, the, as soon as the rebound happened, you know, Arn did so well to actually get it. And I'm sure like that's nearly the part, the hard part done. He probably thinks, mm-hmm. and his back's the goal. He's not too sure who's behind him or what's behind him. Yeah. So it's just a matter of putting his boots through it. You know, he's done the the messy part. He, he was the the first man to react the quickest. And I'm not saying he's resting on his laurels because I mean this is all within a split second. This whole you know. Uh, between him picking the ball, kicking it, and it ended up somehow in the back of the net. And then even if he was blocked down, which I'm sure that was Derek Irwin's initial just plan, um, it's going to be a loose ball again, you know. So I think it's just frantic situation, isn't yeah. it? You know, but like yeah, so many emotions in that last minute, you know, relief that he perceived it, and then oh panic, you so it's a loose ball, and then I react the quickest I've got it, and then suddenly no, I need to get rid of it, and what's the quickest way to get rid of it by putting your boots through it? But he definitely would have been a lot. Um, it would have took a very cool head, a very experienced man, you know, to try and keep the head up, uh, maybe even draw the foul or get, or get a handy hand pass off. Or, or if you like, yeah. I don't know how, how exactly late in the game it was, but yeah, forcing the referee mm. just to blow the whistle because the ball's as high in the air as it can be. Would, would you see, I wouldn't be recommending he hand passes uh, there. Look, a bit, this is just terrible, terrible bad luck. The bloody ball yeah. was blocked back into his own goals. Terrible luck. I'm not blaming him as such, but in those situations, you know, when a team's pushing for it, uh, pushing for an equaliser the game's just up and you know the, the ball's kicked in great save by the goalkeeper now he has it if he ran at a player and fell on the ground the referee's blowing that up and it's all you know what I mean I would say just run out with the ball and what's the worst what's the worst can happen you know rather than just drive it down but again this is hindsight stuff and if you were to say if you were to freeze that live and say what should he do now I'd say an awful lot of people would say just drive it down the field yeah, 100% like because when it's when it's that late in the game and you don't think like when when is it ever going to happen that someone will block you down and it'll go into the goals like oh desperate I don't know like has it like I've never seen it happen before in football like and it's just it's just desperate bad luck and you would feel for you'd feel for Tullamore in fairness like because like at least they have the county the county championship to fall back on last week but you want to make a run in those provincial competitions and to be up by two points, four minutes of out of time gone, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, no, they're definitely wants to look out for Tullamore because they obviously didn't have the same lead in time as Nace did and they went away um, and they almost beat a decent, uh, Kildare champions are always pretty, pretty decent. So Tullamore definitely um, are on the up. Right, that's always time for, I hope we didn't leave 
um, too many out. There's not enough time to get everybody in. Um, we'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview all the provincial uh, club championship matches and, of course, the Kerry County final, which is a Tralee Derby. It's Cairns O'Ratley's who we didn't get a mention. Um, they obviously had a brilliant comeback against Dr. Crokes and they played their Tralee rivals, um, Austin Stacks. So we'll look forward to that one on Thursday as well. Talk to you then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowd at area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>